My name is Sarah Vioso. In May of 2020, I was diagnosed with glioblastoma, the most aggressive type of brain cancer known. This is my spiritual journey of completely surrendering to God's will while healing my soul through His grace. Welcome to Surviving Fear. Episode 29, Here's Your Son. There was a time I was gearing up for an MRI. It was in like October of last year. And I was still in that phase where as I'm gearing up for an MRI, I am not well. For two reasons. Like mentally, I'm it's the anxiety part of it. But you also have to understand I'm in the absolute throes of chemo. Just... You know, I get knocked out. I couldn't plan as we shouldn't plan more than 24 hours in advance. I wasn't planning more than like 10 minutes in advance because I didn't know what my body was going to feel like. But I was, I had strung together like three days because I felt like crap from chemo. I, and I was going to say I was still in radiation, but it wasn't. I was out of radiation in July. So it was feeling like crap because of the chemo because now I'm on double dose chemo which is still low because my body doesn't tolerate it that well. But I'm also on, I was still on a drug that it's called Keppra and it's the anti-seizure medicine that I take. And I'm still on now. And hopefully after this next MRI I have coming up, then they'll completely, they've weaned me down a little bit. It's a very long process to get out of it. I'm hoping they wean me down even more after this next one because I'm so sick of taking it twice a day. But I'm very grateful for it because it's another reason why I'm still here. Anyway, the Keppra can act as a depressant, and it can mess with your moods. Um, I've tolerated it actually pretty well. I mean, it's hard to know like what's from the Keppra and what's from the fact that I was diagnosed with brain cancer. Like, yeah, there's going to be some human parts of me that are going to be a little rough to take, and it may seem like depression because I've given what some people would consider a death sentence, but... Um, I refuse to see it that way. It's just a shift in the way you think. Anyway, um, but I had one coming up. I'm on Keppra and I'm in the middle of chemo. And I just had dug a hole for three days. I wasn't, I was not a good version of myself. And all of that buildup from the anxiety and the fear brought me to probably one of the lowest, I would say probably the lowest moments that I experienced throughout this so far. And I was crying. I was in my bed in the fetal position. Paul was standing over me and I was crying so hard. You know, it was that really, you know, it seems like in the movies, like when people cry, they still look beautiful and they still look okay. And they still like, oh, you still look great, but you have this pretty cry. No, no. I am not a pretty crier. I am snotty. I have red eyes. I'm like, my eyes get puffy. Like, I'm not a pretty movie crier. Like, I'm not some actor's crier. Um, I cry ugly and sob and snot flies and I'm wiping it with my arm. And yeah, there's nothing graceful or pretty about it. Anyway, I'm crying. My husband's standing next to me. I'm facing him as he stands and is just like patting my head and holding my hand. And I said, I do not want this to be my life. You know, it takes a pretty dark place to get there. 
And I'm tearing up here. Because when I read that sentence, when I look over my notes and I read that sentence again, I can feel how I felt. And it felt hopeless. I felt awful. I mean, I keep looking at my boys and they're so worried all the time because I'm not able, at the time I wasn't able to get out of bed very, you know, I'd get, I would function as much as I could and then I just could not function. And it's, it's hard for me to go back to that sentence. I do not want this to be my life. And maybe some of you that are listening to this can relate and have said a sentence or thought a sentence similar to that. I know too many people that have committed suicide. And it's not always because it's from depression. Sometimes it's just a miswiring in the brain and, you know, anxiety-ridden. And, I mean, it just... It makes me sad that that still exists in this world. That it's something that we have to deal with and a struggle for people. And I know that, you know, after COVID, a lot of people committed suicide because of the loneliness and the isolation. And they felt like there was no hope. And I, I think I was particularly, and I, that's not, that wasn't my thought. It wasn't a suicidal thought. It just was, I've never said something like that before. And I've never like truly felt it. Like I said it. And I, I, that's exactly how I felt that moment. I didn't want this to be my life. And then after some processing, after I said, and I feel like, you know what? I said to be authentic. I feel like I needed to say it because I had built up the anxiety and the, the pain and the nausea and just the way it was feeling all just came to a head. And instead of trying to bury it, I just let it out and we're human. And sometimes you just have to let it out. Sometimes you just have to verbalize it. And you know what? I said that and how, and it felt like such an ungrateful thing to say. And then I felt even worse is that I don't want this to be my life because life is such a gift. But God didn't shut me out because I said that sentence. He didn't say, well, you're done. That's unforgivable. Saying something like that. How dare you? Like, that's not what, that's not how he operates. I didn't change the status of my salvation because I said that sentence. Now, was Jesus there when I said that sentence? And when I said those words that could come off as very ungrateful? Yeah, he was there. Did I ask for forgiveness when I said that? Maybe not immediately, but yes, I did. I asked for forgiveness. I said, you know my heart. God, you know my heart, and you know I just had a bad moment. But I am grateful for my life, and I'm grateful for all the blessings that are in it. But I'm human, and I had to let that out, and I had to say what was on my mind. I mean, I almost felt like, you know, I I remember when my boys would throw fits. I remember one in particular, 
and just rolling around, screaming, crying, beating the floor and saying, and just for not getting their way or whatever was going on. And I remember sometimes I would just stand there and watch it happen. And when they finally calmed down on their own, I'd say, are you done? Can we go now? Kind of like what I did. I threw my fit. I said a very ungrateful sentence. Christ was there. He always is. He doesn't leave us. And I could uh, like visualize him standing next to me going, okay, do you feel better now? Now can we continue on the path? Just like I do with my kids. Okay, are you done now? Can we go continue on with our day? Do you feel better now that you got your fit out? Okay, great. Let's go on. I failed in that moment. I failed because I said, I don't want this to be my life. And life is such a gift. But that was a very human, authentic moment. And sometimes we get down in those moments and we do just have to scream. And it's, some, it's healthy to let it out because then that gives you an opportunity to work through it with help. And I'll tell you, Paul was standing there. And he talked me through it. And I have no doubt that God worked through him to give him the words that I needed to hear and the reminders that I needed. I reached out to some of my girlfriends and I said, this is what I was dealing with today. It was a particularly bad day. And they reflected God's light. And they gave me perspective that I couldn't reach on my own. And sometimes we need to do that. Sometimes we need, we have to... you know, humble ourselves and say, I can't do this alone. And that does not make you weak. That makes you strong. It makes you so strong to be admit that you can't do it on your own. And I've said this before, we are not meant to navigate this world by ourselves. God sends us help through others all the time. I mean, all the time. You just have to open your eyes to it. And I'll be honest, when I was having that really bad moment, I didn't see any of the blessings. I didn't see any of the miracles. I didn't see any. I shut everything out because that's what we do. It's almost like a defense mechanism. I'll just shut it out. Then I don't have to deal. You know, just... Turn to your support system. Turn to the people that love you. Don't be too proud and think, oh, I just got it. Or don't think it makes you weak. It doesn't. It makes you strong. It makes God smile. Watching his children help each other. It gives him joy. It also gives the people that help you joy. 
because they served his purpose. Psalm 118, verse 1, says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. And to me, it's just a good reminder that we need to be grateful. And that remember, no matter what, he loves us. No matter what. He loves us with a love that we can't understand yet. We will when we get to heaven, but we don't understand it yet. As I was preparing my notes for this particular um, podcast, I was reminded of an incident that happened. And, you know, it was around Halloween last year, and I love decorating for Halloween. I love it. I, You know, it's so funny because it's like my decorations have morphed with my kids And so, like, when my kids were younger, it was all cutesy and sweet and funny ghosts and, like, silly pumpkins. Well, I have now since, like, given that to my neighbors that have little ones. And I have now gone blood and gore. In fact, I used my um, radiation mask. I think I told you guys this. I used my radiation mask that I had to have that was, like, it was fluorescent green. And it looked – because it looked – like something out of a nightmare that if you attached a body to it, it'd come attack you. And it was just creepy. And so I took that and I put a strobe light under it and it lit up. Like it was awesome. Made me so happy. But before I can decorate, because things go in the yard, I needed to mow. And I should not have been mowing and edging my yard. And I know my, and I know some of you are going, well, you have boys. Why don't you just make them do it? Yes, they normally mow our lawn. But I grew up in Texas mowing just under of acre land. And my dad said, why would I buy you or why would I hire somebody to mow my lawn when I have two perfectly capable children to do it? And uh, there was no, there was no gendering, gender isolation or anything because of this, because when my brother and I both mowed the lawn and all my friends had big, you know, giant pieces of property. Yeah. They got riding lowers riding lawnmowers, but no, no, we push mowed. Now, dad did, I will say, it was self-propelled. So it wasn't a full-on push mower. It was a legit great mower. But I mean, to put it in perspective, to do our entire yard was four hours. Like it's four-hour job. Now, we never wanted for anything. My dead parents took care of it. They just wanted us to mow the lawn. And you know what? I It's so funny because now, I mean, I live on a potion stamp compared to where the yard I grew up with. And I love it. It's therapeutic for me to go mow the lawn. I don't know why, but we have a push mower. It's electric. We save the environment. Um, It's electric. Um, Sorry, (laughs) I said that twice. It just made me think of uh, the electric slide because it's electric is one of the lines in it. Do the electric slide. Sorry, that just like, I just catapulted back to high school. (laughs) Anyway. Back to the original story was, so I'm mowing my lawn and I'm using the weed eater to edge it. Now you have to understand, I'm in the throes of chemo. My blood counts are terrible. And the big thing they watch are my platelets. Well, your platelets are the part of your blood that help your blood to clot. So it forms scabs. It keeps you from bleeding out anytime you 
cut yourself. So, you know, the doctor was very clear with me that you cannot get cut because we're not sure we can stop the bleeding. So me and my geniusness, is that even a word? Because I think that might've just been an oxymoron. Hey, but I'm smart because I know the word oxymoron, what it is. And I think I used it properly, but I was edging and did not pay attention. And I edged my shin with the weed eater. I, that is not a very thick part of your body. Like, I mean, I got some thick parts of my body. My shin is not one of them. So when I stopped paying attention for half a second, I took the weed eater to my shin directly and watch my skin open up and watch blood come out. Now, one would think a sane person, knowing that the situation I was in, might get a little concerned about it. And I actually started laughing uncontrollably because the first thought, and some of you might find this is inappropriate, but I've told you I have inappropriate humor. My first thought is, holy moly, they're going to have to write, I'm on my obituary, it's going to have to say death by weed eater accident. This whole time, I thought it was going to be glioblastoma, stage four brain cancer to take me out. But no, at least that was like a legit death. But the fact that I'm getting, that I bleed to death from an, from an incision, not incision, but from a cut made by a weed eater is a little embarrassing, I got to say. And I just, the th- that's a thought that popped in my head. Like that made me laugh. And then I started laughing like a fool by myself in my front yard, watching blood run down my leg. And I'm cracking up because I'm like, seriously, this is what's going to take me out. It's not the cancer. It's going to be a weed-eating accident because my blood can't clot. I mean, I was rolling with laughter. I'm just like, oh my gosh. I'm like, okay, at some point I need to go inside and try to make this stop bleeding, which I did. A little ice, some sterile towels, and it finally did stop bleeding. But I was just laughing and I'm cracking up. And this was after I had had that horrible moment of saying, I don't want this to be my life. And I was at my house by myself weed eating and I got myself and I, my first thought is that's what my obituary is going to say. Death by weed eater. I'm like, to me, it was such a sign. Like when I finally went inside and I was cleaning up and finally got the blood to stop, the bleeding to stop, I just had a moment of clarity that was, you are healing. Because I I pray for healing. That's what I pray for. Lord, just heal the cancer cells in my head. Heal me. And all healing isn't physical. It isn't. I think most of our healing takes place mentally. It takes place in our spirit. And we need to remember that you have to be open to seeing the joy, even in really scary moments. Like I knew that I'd messed up. Like I knew it. And I'm like, oh gosh. And I was like, how am I going to explain this to Paul? He's going to be so mad at me. <laughs> but because I tend to be a little bit like, like um, Lucille Ball. And I love Lucy and I can tend to be just a little bit klutzy and I, I was laughing. I was laughing 
in a moment that could have been extremely fearful. And I haven't laughed in all the fearful moments. Trust me, there have been some heavy sobbing tears. But this is one of them. I laughed and I just, it was so great and such a gift that I received that I could see the humor in what just happened. And that humor just gave me that moment of clarity that, hey, you are healing and you do have the strength that I've given you. You are using the strength that I've given you and the perspective that I've blessed you with that you're going to be okay. You just have to remember and be open to it, to switch that perspective. And you see, sometimes it feels like it's impossible. It's not, it still takes me a lot of effort to stay in that positive perspective. But just remember Luke 18, 27, and Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. So even when you think you can't see it, just remember that miracles are happening everywhere. And when you're in that positive state of mind, you will see them. Thank you for listening. I'm Sarah Vioso, and see you at the next episode of Surviving Fear. Surviving Fear is made possible by the efforts of our executive producer, J.T. Henderson, writer and director, Sarah Vioso, producer and editor, Kristen Walker, artistic creator, Laura Ritchie, graphic editor, Linda Lee, and musical artist and composer, Adam Vioso.